I'm Dickie Hargis with R&D Farms in Hemphill, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this is Texas FFA Convention Week. The 95th annual Texas FFA Convention kicks off this week in Dallas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The good and the bad of heavy rains. Farmers in the Northern Panhandle are experiencing both right now. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Monitoring the heat index and keeping yourself hydrated while working outdoors this summer. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on how to cope better with the hot temperatures if you are outside working and playing just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Summer grass care in Texas is kind of a tricky business. Please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about how we maintain our summer turf in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The 95th annual Texas FFA convention kicks off this week in Dallas. Bryce Fisher is the first vice president of the Texas FFA, and he says they are ready to roll with a great convention lineup. I'm obviously super excited. We get the chance to welcome over 15,000 FFA members to Dallas, to the convention center for our state convention. Convention is that place where everyone can come together. Whether or not you live at the very tip top of Texas in the Panhandle, you live at very, very South Texas, or if you're from Houston or a small town in the middle of nowhere, everyone gets to come together, deeply connected and rooted by our love for agriculture and ag education. Some of the speakers at the convention will include Temple Grandin, one of the world's premier experts on livestock handling and behavior, and National FFA Officer Ryan Williamson, who's from El Campo, Texas. Another big convention happening this week is the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association's annual meeting in Kerrville. This will be their 108th annual gathering, which kicks off at noon Thursday and runs through Saturday. If you'd like more information on the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association's annual meeting, check out TSGRA.org. The two most important committees in Congress when it comes to writing the 2023 Farm Bill are the Agriculture and Budget Committees. West Texas Congressman Jody Arrington chairs the House Budget Committee and says he is well aware of the need for more funding to strengthen the farm safety net. 
the safety net doesn't work today because of the input cost. It's because of inflation. We've had drought. We have supply chain problems that are post-COVID that are still not functioning the way they should. But the real issue is input costs have just run away from our producers. So their margin is thin to negative. And the safety net can't kick in even if prices were good, even if they're decent prices. The margin's horrible. Arrington says he's working closely with House Ag Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson to fund a farm bill that addresses that problem. Plans are moving forward to open the new producer-owned beef packing plant in Amarillo. With cattle prices high and feedlot numbers getting smaller, it may not seem like the best time to open a beef plant. But producer-owned beef co-founder and board member Monty Cluck says the timing will work out great. We're going to be operational sometime in 2026, be up to full capacity in 2027. If we look at it from the standpoint that it's rained, we're going to repopulate the cow herd. All the numbers on feed are going to be higher in 2027 than they are today. So that's going to be a good time for us to open the plant and become operational. Cluck says rainfall and drought will ultimately decide the restocking schedule both here in Texas and around the country. The Texas High Plains have gone from one of the worst droughts in history to flooded fields in just one year. James Hunt tells us the rain is welcome, but it's causing a lot of headaches. We've been getting some pretty good-sized rains around the Texas High Plains recently, but the northern panhandle is really getting drenched. A lot of one-day precipitation totals measuring around an inch and a half to two inches or more have been common up there lately. Ockletree County Extension Agent Scott Strawn says one concern is that some fields have gotten flooded. Some of the newly planted sorghum, if it hadn't emerged, that seed might be buried a little bit deeper now. Just because of the amount of water that came in, it might have washed some soil in that little seed furrow, causing that seed to be a little bit deeper in the ground now. So we might have some emergency issues in this late planted sorghum. Um, not so much of the corn. Most of the corn was already planted and up doing well, but the newly planted soil, we're, we're probably going to have some fields that we're going to lose parts of those fields, maybe the whole field in some cases. However, Strawn says overall the corn and sorghum in his area is looking good, and the big buildup of soil moisture is creating a lot of promise for Ockletree County's number one crop, which gets planted in the fall. I'm predicting the best planting conditions for wheat over many years. I would say over the last five years, this is going to be the best opportunity to get wheat planted and going. And even those uh, producers that like to plant a little early for wheat pasture, our wheat pasture prospects are going to look really good with the current rains that we're getting now. The, the big challenge is just keeping those weeds under control in the meantime and getting that ground ready. But I'm really predicting our wheat situation is going to be very good. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The triple-digit temperatures just keep coming all across Texas. Tom Nicoletti says farmers and ranchers need to prepare to deal with a high heat index each day. With the very hot temperatures this summer, working and playing outdoors can be very difficult. For farmers and ranchers, staying hydrated by drinking plenty of water when working outdoors is very important. So is keeping up with the heat index, as Waco physician Dr. James Sharp explains. So a good source for that information is on the National Weather Service. And an example is that 102-degree day 
here in Texas is a pretty common problem in July and August. If we should have a humidity of 60%, your heat index is going to be 137, and that can be life-threatening. So it's very important to monitor the heat index preventatively because everybody knows it's 100, 102, 104 degrees, but it's the heat index that gets you in trouble. There might be some days it's just better not to be out there in the heat. Let's talk about the symptoms of heat exhaustion. Some of them can be rather subtle, but if you are aware that your heart rate is higher than normal, especially if it's uncomfortably high, you need to get away from the heat, go in and rest, start hydrating. It would be really helpful if you had someone with you or someone that can check on you on occasion. But if you're feeling lightheaded, feeling weak, tired, exhausted, that certainly can be a sign that you're developing some heat-related illness. Headaches, abdominal cramping, nausea, those are all symptoms of the early stages of heat related illness, and they need to be addressed quickly. These are not things you want to try to work through. You want to get out of the heat, get into a cool place, be drinking some water, and start resting. That is Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Those super high Texas temperatures can also take a toll on turf grass this summer. Horticulturalist John Begno takes a closer look from San Angelo. The heat has taken its toll on a lot of plants. Turf grass is one of those that can suffer, especially if you're in a situation that might be in bright sun, excess of a 100-degree temperature, and then maybe even a little short on water, especially rainfall, which is much better than most irrigation water in Texas. So here's what we sometimes think about doing. We want to keep those plants alive. And so there's a couple of tricks that we can do. We know that if the excessive heat is an issue, and you do have access to the water, you're not in a restricted area, you can do what we call syringe the lawn. Oh, one or two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, you turn your system on, or you even hold the hose and water the priceless spots like hard to grow area under shade, things that you can do to cool the root system and the leaf surface down. And it's amazing. Golf courses do this syringing especially on bent grass greens in Texas during this kind of a summer, just to increase the humidity around the plants, cool them off. So that's a little trick. We get asked a lot about fertilizer. Should I fertilize turf grass in the hot summer Texas? And the answer is, of course, it depends. If you have access to water and you're not getting the growth you need, in other words, you don't need to mow it but once every three or four weeks, then the answer is yes, because they will go south on you. They will start to fade, thin out without adequate nutrients. So it might be nitrogen that they need most of. We have turf building products. We have products like 21714. But the trick is not to overdose it. You're much better off with a light application. If it calls for 10 pounds per thousand square feet of yard surface, then what you're going to be doing is half that to maybe five pounds. If you'll do this, immediately water or as soon as you can, get it down in the root system, you're going to see a perk up. Plants may not grow as much as you want, but they'll keep their health. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Over the past few months, a group of stakeholders has been researching mountain lions in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and we'll have an update on that working group with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Executive Director, coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we may have an African swine fever vaccine for hogs coming soon. 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Vaccines to protect pigs from the deadly African swine fever virus are being tested in Vietnam. Dr. Bob Judd says a vaccine may be close to approval. An approval for a vaccine against deadly African swine fever would be a major breakthrough for swine producers worldwide. African swine fever has affected the global pork market for years, and in the worst outbreak in 2018, about one half of the domestic pig population in China died due to the virus. After decades of failed attempts to make a vaccine, two vaccines co-developed by United States scientists were recently tested in Vietnam. Dr. Gregory Torres from the World Organization for Animal Health indicated the vaccine is showing promising results and this is the best chance to get an effective vaccine. Both vaccines received approval in Vietnam for pilot commercial use and the next step will be nationwide authorization and possible overseas sales. United States Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said there may be some interest in the U.S. for using the vaccine even though we have not had the disease in the U.S. so far. The vaccines were tested in Vietnam where Africa swine fever is a constant threat. Since 2021, swine fever, which is not deadly to humans, has been reported in nearly 50 countries and caused about 1.3 million pig deaths. The United States Department of Agriculture, or USDA, has reviewed the results of one of the vaccines and 40,000 doses have been used so far without any safety issues. The vaccine was suspended after dozens of pigs died last summer in Vietnam following the use of the vaccine in some farms off-label in pregnant sows. When used is approved, no problems occurred. The vaccine is a modified live virus vaccine. The second vaccine tested in Vietnam has been delivered to more pigs than the first, but the USDA has not reviewed the data. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of stakeholders has been researching mountain lions here in Texas. Jessica Domel has an update from that working group in today's wildlife report. As the state agency tasked with providing outdoor opportunities for Texans and protecting and managing wildlife in Texas, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department balances quite a number of challenges each year. Dr. David Yaskowitz, TPWD Executive Director, recently sat down with TFB Radio's Tom Nicoletti to discuss some of those challenges. He says one thing the department has been asked to look into is the trapping and hunting of mountain lions. Yeah, it's the only state where mountain lions exist, where we don't regulate, uh, but there's been a, a petition to, to look at mountain lions and their role in the ecosystem, but also their impact into producers. The Parks and Wildlife Commission was petitioned to put together a working group to look at this, and, and that working group has met over the last several months, and we'll be coming out with recommendations that we'll be looking at in January of 2024. In Texas, mountain lions were labeled a non-game species by the legislature meaning there's no closed season, bag limit, or possession limit. 
Texas farmers, ranchers, and landowners may use traps and other approved hunting techniques to protect their livestock from mountain lions who hunt them. The department has also been monitoring the spread of chronic wasting disease, or CWD. It's a fatal neurological disease that impacts members of the deer family, like white-tailed deer, mule deer, and elk. We're just now with technology being able to detect where it's at. It's early stages, but like I said, we don't want to be a Wisconsin where you have 1,600 positive cases every year, right? You want to, we want to be able to capture, capture it now and be able to contain it. And so that's a front of mind for the department. That was TPWD Executive Director Dr. David Yaskowitz. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was a day of higher prices across the board. Cattle, cotton, grains, all heading higher on Tuesday. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw higher prices across the board in our agricultural markets on Tuesday. Cattle, cotton, grains all moving higher. We'll kick things off with a look at the cattle complex. August live cattle up $1.62, closing at $178.82. The October up $1.77, $181.72. With December live cattle up $1.22, 184.97. Feeder cattle market higher also. August feeders up 90 cents, 247.15. September up 82 at 250.30. The October contract up 87 at 252.10. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. We did see some asking prices from the feedlots in the 180 to 182 range. No bids to report from the Packers. Boxed beef prices lower Tuesday choice down $1.18 at $312.61. Select down $209 at $280.24. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Russell Heller, my guest, Lexington Livestock, sells them on Saturday. Russell, how was the first sale after the holiday? Had a good sale, 1,237 total head with 103 cows. Walk the pins with us, Russell. All right. The Packer cows, thinner 160 to 80, and the batter ones 81 to ten. On the steering bull cash, 3 to 400 pounds, 160 to 305. 4 to 5 weights, 155 to 280. 5 to 6 weights, 150 to 270. 6 to 7 weights, 145 to 250. 7 to 8 weights, $1.40 to 224. On the heifers, three to four pounds, 150 to 285. Four to five weights, 145 to 265. Five to six weights, 140 to 255. Six to seven weights, 135 to 225. Seven to eight weight heifers, 130 to 205. Good. What was the count? 1237. Did you look up against last year to see what last year was? Price and quality, everybody was happy, buyers and sellers? 
Yes, sir. We had a lot of good calves. I mean, there were a lot of 20 to 60 head bunches that were black or black bodies or charlotte crosses. Uh, the cattle sold really well and those good quality and they're kind of just kind of medium flesh calves right now. Right. Now, uh, we'll sell again next week. Do you know of anything coming? Yes, I do. One man's going to have 25 charlotte calves. Well, good. Well, Russell Heller, Lexington Livestock, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that next sale. Sure, you can get that on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and my program, Walking the Pens. We do it every Monday through Friday. We'll do it tomorrow. You're listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished sharply higher Tuesday. July hogs up 247, closing at 101.27. August hogs up 340 to close at 97.57. Class 3 milk was higher. The nearby July up 3 cents, 13.95 a hundredweight. August milk up 51 at 15.40 a hundred. Limit up move in the cotton market in Tuesday's trade. Traders positioning themselves ahead of the Wednesday morning USDA World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report. That caused some limit up moves. The lightly traded October up the limit 300 points, 82.95. December cotton did hit limit up during the session, but we backed it off a bit before the close. December up 287 points, close at 82.12 cents. Corn and wheat both moving higher in pre-report trade. July corn up a penny, 571 and three quarters. September corn up two and a quarter, 494 and a half. With December corn up two, 501 and a half. Both hard and soft wheat moving higher in Tuesday's trade. September Kansas City wheat up five and three quarters, 817 a bushel. September Chicago wheat up 14 and a quarter at 660 and a half. In the energy markets, August natural gas was up six cents, 273. August West Texas crude up $1.89, 74.88 a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 243 points, 34,187. The NASDAQ up 34, 13,719. The S&P up 18 points at 4,427. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.